Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 129. Package him up, take him out, said the first voice. They put a bag-like hood over Shadow's head and bound his wrists and ankles with tape and put him in the back of a truck and drove him away. There were no windows in the tiny room in which they had locked Shadow. There was a plastic chair, a lightweight folding table, and a bucket with a cover on it, which served Shadow as a makeshift toilet. There was also a six-foot-long strip of yellow foam on the floor and a thin blanket with a long-since-crusted brown stain in the center. Blood or shit or food, Shadow didn't know and didn't care to investigate. There was a naked bulb behind a metal grill high in the room, but no light switch that Shadow had been able to find. The light was always on. There was no handle on his side of the door. He was hungry. The first thing he had done when the spooks had pushed him into the room after they ripped off the tape from his ankles and wrists and mouth and left him alone was to walk around the room and inspect it carefully. He tapped the walls. They sounded dully metallic. There was a small ventilation grid in, at the top of the room. The door was soundly locked. He was bleeding above the left eyebrow in a slow ooze. His head ached. The floor was uncarpeted. He tapped it. It was made of the same metal as the walls. He took the top off the bucket, pissed in it, and covered it once more. According to his watch, only four hours had passed since the raid on the restaurant. His wallet was gone, but they had left him his coins. He sat on the chair at the card table. The table was covered with a cigarette-burned green baize. Shadow practiced appearing to push coins through the table. Then he took two quarters and made up a pointless coin trick. He concealed a quarter in his right palm and openly displayed the other quarter in his left hand between finger and thumb. Then he appeared to take the quarter from his left hand while actually letting it. And that's our page. Page is great because we get to see a bit more how Shadow works when he's under pressure. We got some small revelation when he was in prison, but it was more about being in prison and doing his own time and such. And in this case, he's in a similar sort of situation where he's in a tiny room, although in this case he doesn't have a memory of how he got there other than they knocked him out and took him to some black site mystery place. We also get an overview of the room that Shadow's in, and honestly, it sounds like one of my anxiety nightmares, but that's not entirely relevant to the page, so I guess I won't share it here. As Shadow goes over the situation in his mind, he doesn't seem particularly panicked or worried about it. He's not interested in finding out why the blanket provided has a stain on it, but he knocks on the floor and walls to see what kind of sound he gets, and he takes in various pieces of furniture that his metal box has and checks himself over as well and discovers that four hours have passed and the people have left him his coins. He's not overly concerned, I think, because it goes back to the mental state he's in. He's still in shock, he's still depressed, he's still dealing with a lot of shit going on at once, and so it doesn't do him good to worry too much about the situation he finds him in. He's also used to it from prison. His motto in prison was to do his own time, not not suffer for anyone else's. So he knows that eventually something is going to change and he can deal with it then. But as of right now, there's no use trying to figure out how to escape when it seems like he can't. Shadow noted in prison that they weren't allowed to have coins because the edges of a coin could be sharpened to create a sort of makeshift blade. That isn't what happens here, though. Shadow recognizes, or he at least must recognize, that he could use the coins and sharpen them on something in the room, especially maybe the wall. Eh. Something, though. He also is a big guy, though. While he's no James Bond or MacGyver, he does know that 
he can overpower anyone if he needs to, but he doesn't seem to be thinking that way. Right now, he's just a guy who's doing work for his boss who lost his wife and wants to do coin tricks. So he sits at the table and does a coin trick. The page calls the green felt bays, and honestly, this is, I think, the first time I've seen that word, at least as far as I can remember. It comes from the French bays, B-A-I-E-S, which translates as chestnut-colored, which you may already know is not green. The term, though, more generally refers to the material itself, not the color of it. So apparently there are many types of bays that are not green. Bays most often used to cover pool tables and card tables, though it was often used as a surface for pedestal desks in the 19th century. It's dyed green, so it'll more resemble a lawn where one might have played other ball games such as croquet or bocce. A traditional 17th century rhyme suggests that bays came to England in early as maybe 1525 or so, but old rhymes are not history, despite often carrying a measure of truth to them. Something also possibly worth noting the page states that Shadow invents a pointless coin trick, and that's a capitalized phrase. I can't find a reference to the phrase itself anywhere besides in American Gods, so I think we're getting just a look inside Shadow's head, and he has done this before, so it's it's more of a it's more of a ritual, I think, for him. It's especially a ritual to calm him down, which we'll talk about a little bit more on the next page. Shadow also thinks of the men who grabs him as spooks, and it's a phrase you don't really read that much anymore. It it has a long history as a derogatory term for black people, starting in the 30s or 40s, though per Green's Dictionary of Slang once more, it was first collected as a phrase for uh, that f- criminals would use to refer to either spies or detectives, and that first appeared in the book criminal slang, Vincent J. Monteleone, in 1945, with a revised edition published in 1949. The book also notes, though, that it can also stand for a spirit, which, yeah, I mean, no shit. It makes me wonder if this particular book is like that scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, where um, the two maniacs end up at the police convention, and Dr. Bumquist is talking about all sorts of shit that he thinks he knows about hippie and drug culture, but is 100% wrong about it. So I'm wondering, maybe did Vincent Monteleone just get a bunch of information from people who were pulling his leg, and he wrote it all down, and then suddenly, 40, 50, 60 years later, it becomes the actual slang, even though someone was just messing with him? I don't know, but I really hope that's how it is. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.